welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. Season two is here. Um. <laughs> uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko, and we're going to talk about the first episode of season two of The Leftovers called, I have to pull it up here because I've already forgotten, Axis Mundi, or Mundi, however it's pronounced, which uh, it turns out, just to jump the gun a little bit, is some sort of term of that it, what it means is like, where heaven and earth meet. Right. But like, it's, it's representative of like a, like a, I guess like a holy land, like a, Mm -hmm. like a holy place. Right. Right. Which is what the whole first episode, I guess the season is going to be about, which is this Jardine, Texas or Miracle, Texas for um, whatever reason is this holy land, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but that's what the title of the first episode means or as a reference to at least. So what did you think of the first episode? Just general impressions. Well, first I want to say I've realized now I'm not going to get to use my killer Tommy impression that I've been working on for a year. Tommy, like Tommy boy? No. Oh, Tom, Tommy from Tom, Tommy from the first season. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I Why was really hope. Well, he's he was- in the second season. Oh, is he? Yes, he is. Well, then just know I'm sitting on a killer Tommy. <laughs> okay. Tommy impersonation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with this new season, I think, I think this brings about a new time for, for the show, but also for us, I think, um, better quality, Audio quality, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I don't know I how f- improved it is. Well, I feel like it is. I feel okay. like if we just declare right. it now, <laughs> sure. it will be better. Okay. And for anybody who is trying us out again, maybe you listen to some of the first season or whatever, I want you to be assured that I've surgically removed my ability to say, you know, <laughs> and okay. right, uh-huh. <clears throat> so I will not be repeating those phrases. That's a high bar. Are right. you sure about that? You're just going to get a lot of throat clearing. You I just think. said right. You've already broken one of the tenets you just let set for yourself. Well, I think I was answering your question. <laughs> I think <laughs> technically okay. yours was a question. All right. So, with that being said, okay. with the front porch being cleared. We've had a year of practice, right? We've exactly. been podcasting a whole year since this last season. All for came this. Out, right. All for this <laughs> moment. And I'm not gonna screw it up like you did the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what did I think of General Impressions? General impressions. Okay. General impressions of the first episode is that there is a lot to be interested in. Okay. Are you interested in it? I feel like Lindelof and Parada have incepted this first episode with levels of incongruity where you're thrown off because you're not following the same characters initially. Mm -hmm. Then you're thrown off again because it seems that the story is being told out of linear sequence 
that it will flash to something happening and then flash back. Right. Like the girls running through the forest. Which can I, that was something I wanted to talk about. Now, obviously those girls are of age, mm-hmm. but as they're being filmed in the show, they are supposed to be in high school, right? Mm-hmm. So theoretically I'm watching naked high school girls run through the woods. Hot. Right. How's that supposed to make me feel like that was literally the first thing that both my wife and I thought, like, as soon as it cut to that, my wife was like, aren't they supposed to be in high school? (laughs) Right. It's like, well, why am I watching this? Yes. Anyways. Well, I have a problem. This is a quick side note, but did you hear about Westworld, the new Mm -hmm. kind of sci-fi show that's coming Mm -hmm. to HBO? And I just saw this headline. But it was like, you know, Westworld is going to have really graphic sex or whatever. Great. And all I saw was like, I didn't even read the whole article, but the sub section was like a casting call called for genital to genital contact, like oh. in the casting call. <laughs> yeah. And so. Yeah, I saw somebody posted like a screen grab of it on Twitter or something. I feel like everybody at HBO is doubling down. Yeah. <clears throat> where yeah. it's just like, oh, you guys like Game of Thrones and you have problems with the. Uh, our gross sexuality in right. this show. Well, now we're putting in freaking everything. You're right. And you're all going to like it and watch it. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm willing to give any show that's entertaining the benefit of the doubt. But part of me wonders how much is this first episode a response? Kind of like what we were saying about True Detective Season 2. Mm-hmm. where everything in True Detective Season 2 felt like a response to critics in uh, of Season 1. And in this, it just was so aggressive in its disorientation and the levels that it tried to disorient you on that I, I was wondering, is this being made for a grand scheme of, of storytelling? Which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Great. Or is this being done as some sort of response to people who criticize season one um, or want answers. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, oh, yeah, you want answers about the departure? Well, how about starting in prehistoric times and then jumping here? And then how about people that you don't know? And what if we then throw in a goat slaughter in the middle of a restaurant and a man at the top of a tower. Mm -hmm. What does all this, like what level do you want to get confused on? Because they've got you covered, you know, from you want to just focus on the way that they're telling their story. It's being told pretty weird. Do you want to focus on the specific characters? Because they're all really weird. (laughs) They're burying birds. They're running naked through a forest they're weirdly menacing, you know? So I am intrigued, but I can't help but feel like towards the end of the first episode being like, where's the ground to this shaft? Because yeah. I'm, I'm falling and I'm just falling, waiting for some level to be like, here it is, you know, here's something. Right here's the story we're telling or here are the parameters, but they just kept exploring their parameters to show you that there are none for this season Mm -hmm. pretty much. Mm -hmm. 
so that's that's basically that's a part of what I felt. I really liked the first episode. Oh, if you wanted that, I liked it. Yeah, no, 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 okay. no, no. I, I understand. I really liked the first episode, but I agree. And, and I feel like if it was the first episode of the series, I would have liked it unequivocally. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, and because of what I watched f- the first ten episodes, I'm. I, I, I texted when you asked me. You texted me preliminary thoughts. I said I loved it and hated it in equal parts. And what I mean by that is, on a scale of zero to one hundred, where one hundred is you love it and zero is you hate it. I am have to somehow occupy both ends of that because I really liked the first episode, but I am also not willing to invest any energy whatsoever in figuring out all of these stupid riddles and mysteries. And you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I'm sick of it. I want to know what this garbage means. I want to know why it's there. I no longer want to, I'm not, I don't have the energy to be like, Maybe this is tying into this. Maybe this is why this guy's doing this. Some of that has been cleared up for me um, by reading interviews, which is doing exactly what I just said I didn't <laughs> want to do. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it makes sense on some level, which I'll talk about a little bit. But ultimately what I want is to be able to sit down with the show and watch it from beginning to end and not feel left in the weeds after every episode is over, or feel completely confused as to why a character is acting a certain way or doing a certain thing and not having to assume, like, yeah, maybe, like, some voices are speaking to him, or maybe, you know, this is tied into that, or, you know what I mean? Um, right, is this guy real? Right. How many people have seen this guy? Right. And because this is the second season, I'm still also left with all of these questions of where's Kevin's dad? Where's the dog guy? And was he real? And, you know, where is uh, Meg? Yeah. Where's Liv Tyler's character? Where are all these other people? And I don't well, know. Where are the remnant? Right. And apparently all that stuff is, I don't know if it'll be explored. I don't know if. Uh, you're just left to assume that they're done. They're doing their thing. So we'll find out. But but what I can say is just on it. I, I like the episode as a whole. I didn't mind following this new family because I thought they, even though they were a little bit too, you know, idyllic, like mm-hmm. it feels like you're going it a little bit like down Stepford the American bit. beauty road too right. much. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like you're just waiting to pull the rug out from under right. us. Right. Um, but I did like the family. I liked all the acting. I thought all the writing mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really good. And going back and listening to some of this other stuff, um, something that caught my attention that I just thought was, I mean, looking back at the show now and like the tone they're going for and the themes they're trying to explore, how weird of a decision this was. Peter Berg directed the first yes. two episodes. Yes. Peter Berg, who's like a big blockbuster action movie director, directed the first two episodes. You know what I mean? And right. it's like when you look at what the show kind of became and it's especially what this Berg. first episode is like, this is not Peter Berg material. Um, so I just thought that was a really weird 
decision. Well, I was reading an article. It was funny because I pulled it up and the picture that they used was from season one of Damon Lindelof on set with Peter Berg. Right. And I was like, is this an old article? I was like, nope, it's a new article. And they still used the picture of Peter Berg. And I was wondering if that's like their way of signifying like, hey, remember Peter Berg, <laughs> you right. know, and he's now just a producer right? Yeah. on the on the show. Um, okay, so before we talk about the episode proper, I want to talk about the title sequence because they've got a brand new title sequence, which is has no, at least from what I remember, religious imagery in it, like the first one certainly does, or at least a sort of like religious subtext to it. Well, it's definitely not as, it's not a... a Sistine Chapel-esque. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right, People being raptured. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did you think of that? The the title sequence specifically, uh, or the title sequence in general, specifically, what did you think of the song? Right. So <laughs> the song I thought was, um, I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> then by the end, I was like, oh, this is the actual song they're playing for this show. Right. Ooh. That right was a response, let me say, (laughs) by the way. So it has a very true detective vibe, doesn't it? A little bit. I mean, they're definitely using the like mixed media, superimposing stuff. Superimposed images and this kind of galactic Mm -hmm. peak through the people was, to me, it was a choice. You know, it's like you walk in, somebody says, what do you think of my living room? Uh-huh. You go, oh, you put this over there. It could have gone over there, I guess. Mm-hmm. It looks fine. Yeah. So it's a decision mm-hmm. in sure. My, my issue with it was it made it feel very graphic novelly to me. And I felt like this whole season or the first episode felt very, I don't know why, like a graphic novel. It, it just played out that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the setting or some graphic novels I've been reading. Mm-hmm. But I think I said, if, if you go back in last season's episodes, I think I said, because I read the book, The Leftovers book, and I think I argued that the book would have been a better graphic novel than it was a novel. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I think it has to be because of the graphic novels I'm reading. But it made it just feel a little more not cartoony, but big. Right. Whereas the last one was very depressed, very oppressive mm-hmm. in a lot of ways in what it was exploring. This seems to expand the world in the title sequence seems to expand it for you too. So it's colorful, mm-hmm. um, not as literal right, <laughs> as the first one. It's also not as dramatic. Not as dramatic. And it, it fits more of the mood, I'll say that. Right. It yeah. fits more of the mood. I think it's a better neutral ground for the show to start exactly. from. Exactly. Yeah. It didn't wow me, right? Um, but it also wasn't... Um, wasn't like the first season, which I actively disliked. Yeah. Now they made up for that 
in the song. I am I'm with you. I'm yeah. with some other people that I heard. And I don't begrudge anybody for creating music. Go for it, sure. right? You, you're far more talented than I am. Having said that, that's not my <laughs> style of music. That's not what I picture when I think, right? I want to listen to some music. Yeah. Okay, so the show opens with a... Well, what do you think? For that? So you... Yeah, I agree. Oh, you kind of said it. Yeah, you hate I feel the like song. The song's terrible, but I feel like it's... A, it's a much less loaded way to begin the show than with these big, than this big swelling orchestra and a, you know, Sistine Chapel esque painting of people being raptured. Like, it felt like the old one, you're being sort of funneled into this very finite view of the show. Right. right? Whereas right. the entire time they're saying, don't think of the show right. this way. They have a title sequence that says the exact opposite. Right. So I feel like it's a better way to open the show. Um, you know, if we want, if I want to overanalyze a title sequence. Sure. Um, okay. So the, then the, the show itself opens with one of the most confusing, like, uh, not since Tree of Life, right? Has a sequence and been so? The vast. reason it was so confusing to me is it looks so modern, right? Like the woman itself, it looks like they picked like a teenager from MTV to star as a cave woman, right? And so I'm thinking like, especially after because they just played the last time, right? It goes right into this from the last season on The Leftovers. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like, okay, is this some like girl from Mapleton? Or I knew it had taken place in a new city. So I'm thinking, is this some, some weird future? Did some sort of apocalypse happen mm -hmm. <laughs> between the first two seasons? But no, it turns out that this is just supposed to be a, a cave woman who gives birth, which is a lovely sequence where we see her pull her oh. baby out of her. Uh, Holding on know, to a yeah. tree stump. And, right. And then she bites the umbilical cord off and then she gets snake. But well, all that stuff. What did you think of that? sequence so first i don't want to be somebody and i'm not somebody who prides themselves on picking out the small incongruities of pop culture right so there are some people who love to detail nitpick everything right interstellar well the physics don't actually work like you know uh -huh. or whatever it is and you just uh -huh. want to be like okay it's a movie we all get it mm -hmm. we know that or some small little details here and there right having said that that cave woman had sculpted eyebrows right that were on point <laughs> i mean all they were on she did, they were on fleek they were on fleek right and I justify, th there are a few things in this episode that stood out to me like that. And I justify it by the show not giving me any ground to really settle on and engage the story at. I'm left reeling, where are we? Are we in a future? What's going on? That these small details are the only thing that I have to hang on to. Right. So I am going to look and say like... Right. Look at her eyebrows. Right, exactly. No, you're trying to figure out when is this taking place. And so, so yeah. you, yes, you see her eyebrows or you just see like her features. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you like I, I understand it's TV. 
you know, you don't need a model to play every single, you don't need pretty people in every single role of the show. Right. Grab some unfortunate woman that looks oh. like a cave woman and put her in your show or, okay. or take the woman and put some makeup on okay, her. Okay, there we go. Or some not, prosthetics. Right. I'm not going to go your way. <laughs> go to the, go to the freak show area of LA. Saying, it would have been helpful. It would have been helpful. To, so I would have known like, Hey, this is not 2015. This no, yes. is, you know, 15, whatever the year was. <laughs> Um, this is negative. This right. Be, right. <laughs> so that whole s- episode, I was sitting there saying, all right, they are laying out the thematic. Right. So what was, so what did you take from that when it was over? So it ends with her dead and then mm-hmm. it pans over to present day they're playing in the water so what did that whole sequence mean to you some things that stood out to me she got bit by a snake Uh so what is the biblical imagery of that Uh garden of eden snake satan right betrayer betrayer snake bit um death so i think you have not a literal retelling of the garden of eden story but you have a symbolic referencing of the religious themes in this opening. So you have a woman who for no real reason wakes up and has to go use the restroom. Mm -hmm. Why at that moment does she leave her cave and then the earthquake happened? Mm -hmm. You could, and then when she's outside right before the earthquake, she looks up. Right, or they or they shoot her so her face is superimposed against the moon. That's one oh, image they had. So either she's looking at the moon mm-hmm. or she's superimposed against the moon. Mm-hmm. So you have a small being cast against this larger, is it uncaring universe? I don't know. And then you have an earthquake happen that kills everybody. Mm-hmm. So you have right there the thematic microcosm of the show itself. You lose people. Why do you lose them? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Is there anything greater up there? I don't know. What made you go out of the cave? Was it biology or was it a higher deity looking mm-hmm. out for you? And then what does that look like? What does a salvation narrative look like in our broken, dead, disgusting world? Mm-hmm. It looks like Satan loosed or whatever, taking the form of a snake, killing, right? So the biblical imagery of Satan is uh, roaming around trying to devour people, things, everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's actively trying to kill you. And guess what? He might succeed. So you might die. Darkness is there. But what happens? Another cave person with on fleek eyebrows <laughs> is going to come by and perhaps provide a, a glimmer of hope, a mm-hmm. glimmer of grace or redemption in this dark, depraved world. So right. thematically, I think that is kind of what this story is playing with. Um, on one level, I think obviously Leftovers is addressing grief, 
and addressing a lot of other issues. But I think if you look at the religious symbolism of that opening, that's, that's what I got out of it. Um, just looking at it from that perspective, Mm -hmm. not sure if you think that's out there or Uh, if if that was kind of evident to you. Yeah. I think that's a valid interpretation. I did not look at it that deeply. I was trying to figure out what does this mean for the show? What does this mean for the world in general? Before I get into that, I want to ask you a side question. Is there any good way to film an earthquake? Very good question. <laughs> so after because the, the leftovers eyebrows, has not found it. <laughs> after the eyebrows, the the earthquake footage was what really stood out to me, which seemed to be what made me want to do. And I don't know if this is if this technology is available, but mm. I hope that it appears on Reddit within a week. <laughs> I want the footage of the actors acting out the scene of the earthquake because I imagine it to be a completely still set. Right. With them going. (laughs) No, I want the footage of the cameraman filming it. Who's just shaking his camera. Right. Right. I want the footage of the guy staying there and they're like, all right, Steve earthquake. He's like, (laughs) Steve, we've been practicing this. Are you ready? Are you right? Earthquake now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, that to me felt like it felt like stylized, but it felt like they were missing one other element mm-hmm. to their vision that just never got placed on it. Like I imagined some visual effects person watching the opening episode, <laughs> slapping his forehead and being like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we totally forgot to render that with right. this whatever. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I hope no one really noticed <laughs> right. because it looked like a half finished effect where I saw what they're going for, but right. it didn't really full. It was not fully executed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was watching it trying to figure out what does this mean? So obviously she dies in this reservoir, right? And um, then it pans over to the Murphy's daughter. And her friends playing in the water, doing something in the water, stealing some of the Peeing water. in the water. Right. There's a nerdy guy, like, testing the water. So so the people of Miracle are figuring that this water is uh, sanctified in some way. Well, right? she, you find out that she's stealing it for right. her brother to then sell to tourists. Oh, okay. Okay. That's right. Um. But but that still means that there is some belief that this water is holy or is special in some way. Or right? they want to sell it to tourists who might think... Because when he's selling the water, he's not making grand claims on it. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, this is just a memento. But there's also some weirdo in there testing it, right? He's testing it for some reason. Yeah, and what's his method? Yeah. I, that's a, like He has a large pole... But I, I even watched carefully, and this may may come from me looking at the eyebrows, mm-hmm. but he was collecting the water, and then he was, like, haphazardly dumping it yeah, in his into a bucket. bucket. <laughs> but he, like, wasn't even careful that all of it was getting in uh-huh. the bucket. So I wanted to be, like... Well, it's also, like, why not just dip your bucket just in Just dip there? your bucket <laughs> in. Like, I don't understand why yeah. you're being... Why you're using this contraption yeah. other than he's a pervert. He just wants to watch girls swim. Right. Um, 
so I think what it what it what I have what I've learned from reading interviews and listening to um I listened to Tom Parada talk a little bit is the idea is that Jardine or Miracle Texas is just this one of these supernaturally holy places, right? But the uh, so the the whole so so we start getting into the the episode right, and you're you're seeing weird stuff. So you're seeing the guy in the the guy in the tower, right? The um, goat sacrificer, the woman uh, mowing her lawn in a wedding dress, the Russian building behind the guy right, in the tower, the, like Russian citadel, wherever that thing is, and all of it feels like. Damon Lindelof. I'm gonna put some weird visuals in there because I think they're interesting, right? Or they're just like just something the spice things. They're captivating. Up. Um, but from what I've read, the idea is that because uh, nobody disappeared from this town on the on departure day, the residents are convinced that that happened because of them that they are special in some way. So there are people who have, uh, who, who just, I guess, repeat the things that they did on that day. So I think the idea, and I'll get to the example, the goat sacrificer specifically, because that one still makes no sense with that justification. But I think that idea is the reason why you see a woman mowing the grass in her wedding dress because I would assume maybe that's she was getting married on departure day. So she just wears her wedding dress because she's convinced that's why she wasn't taken. Right. That's why I would imagine that's why, um, because wasn't there an earthquake last season, right? Like a tremor or something when the departure happened or on that day. But I would assume that's why you've got like the cracked up road that's being protected by the plexiglass and labeled for some reason. I'm assuming that's not being fixed because it occurred on departure day. So they're they're trying to assign preserve. right. They're trying to preserve. They're assi- They're they're assuming that they weren't taken because they are special. So they are sticking to their routines that they were doing on departure day. When in reality, it just is, this is just one of these, uh, you know, special lands in the world that are just supernaturally special or whatever. I think the example that they give in the vulture piece is like Mecca, stuff like that. Hmm. So now that makes the example that it was either Tom Parada gives or is in this vulture piece is that this crazy guy showed up in Jardine, Texas on the day of the departure and sacrificed a goat in this diner, right? And so now just, I guess, every single day he shows up and sacrifices a goat, which I'll also say he goes through all the trouble to drag in this giant plastic tarp, and then he gets literally every single part of the goat on the tarp except Except for the the blood and the neck that he cuts open. Yes. just is like, this guy is like, not only are you sacrificing a like at least be clean about it. Well, he is apologetic. I think he's building <laughs> to the point where he's actually going to be, he's going to fully clean up after himself. But I did love how 
He was, and you genuinely, I genuinely felt it. He was sorry that he, <laughs> they had to do this. He was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Tom Parada didn't address that directly, right? He didn't say that this is a guy who did that. But just based on what he said, you have to infer that this man sacrificed a goat at some point. One of these. Did, um, did you hear about the candidate? What in, here? I'll read it from. I'll read it from Vulture. Okay. What's the deal with Jerry? Everyone in the cafe looks on when he sacrifices a goat in the middle of the restaurant. All right. Now this is um, Reza Aslan, who's apparently um, some sort of contributor to the story. He's not a writer. I can't remember exactly. He says, but he is involved with the show. He says. There are these things all over the city that are a little bit hard to explain. They'll get explained later. But one is this idea among many residents that they were saved because there was something special about them. So there is an attempt to constantly repeat everything they did on that day. That's actually a common occurrence among religions. One of the On the day of the, the departure, Jerry suddenly appeared in the city without explanation and sacrificed a goat. And, of course, people were horrified. Then the departure happened, and so they now kind of give this guy free reign. Everybody is too afraid to do anything about it. Do they look afraid? I don't know. They look kind of exasperated. Yeah. But that that is the type of thing that, like, look, I'll even give you a crazy guy building a tower mm-hmm. to live on in the middle of your city, but... Somebody just randomly showing up in your town and sacrificing a goat in the restaurant, like, like you're obviously trying to tie. It's another sort of biblical tie-in, right, mm-hmm. of sacrificing mm-hmm. of animals, but it really just doesn't make any sense. Well, I was gonna hear. Did you? Or I was gonna say, did you hear about that candidate that uh, admitted to killing a goat and drinking its blood? He's running for office. It sounds a little. Funny. I think it was in Florida, and and some people found out. Of course, out. it's Florida, right? And he had to come out and say, like, "Yeah, I did. I sacrificed <laughs> this goat, yeah, and drank its blood." But it's just to get elected. I mean, it's all. <laughs> so I mean, leftovers is just prescient. Yeah, ripped from the headlines before the headlines even happen. Yeah. So the main focus of this episode is um, the Murphy family. And I would say specifically John, the father. Um, and now, unless you have anything significant to say about the other stuff that better be answered later on, <laughs> like the bird in the box buried in the woods, the chirping in the house, I think we can skip those things and just label yeah. them all as weird Lindelof things the, that the, the, probably the, won't be answered. The crick is a joke. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's all that is. It's just a, yeah. it's just a, a metaphor, a slight metaphor, but mainly, mainly just a joke. Oh, did you see they they followed through on their uh, perfect strangers joke? I did. They really went for it too. They yeah. even got yeah the perfect stranger. I don't right. know what his name is. <laughs> um. So, anyways, so what did you make of John? Is he? He seems like a bad guy. I wasn't too. He's got that grin. I wasn't too. Yeah, I wasn't too clear on what he was doing until I read this interview or listened to whatever I listened to. So, what what are your thoughts on John and what he is doing? Right. So, I and mean, I have to say, I haven't read a lot. I haven't read right. that interview. So, 
if you just completely smack me down after this. Right. And to be fair, that. I had no idea. Like, I was really not sure what he was doing. So. Like, with um, Isaac, his buddy. Like, why he was doing that. Or sort of what his stance was. Well, okay. So, okay. John seems very... So, number one, the books that they stacked on top of him were something that I clued in on. Yeah. Lenin. See, that to me felt like a joke. That to me felt like I know everyone's going to overanalyze these books. I'm not overanalyzing. What that told me, the only thing that I tried to take from that is that he's well-read. So, Mm -hmm. this is somewhat of an intellectual. Or he fancies himself Mm -hmm. somewhat of a thinker. So this isn't just a guy who um, is just reactionary, like a lot of how Kevin was in season one. Mm -hmm. Um, So from the beginning, though, there's a little, and I can't place my finger on when it was. Definitely when he showed up at Isaac's house. I was like, okay, this guy has got So what is he doing at Isaac's house? So what I took that he was doing at Isaac's house was obviously coming to confront Isaac about what he was doing with these tourists mm-hmm. and seeing in Isaac, what maybe I thought was a challenger to what you kind of said the status quo was. Mm-hmm. So Isaac, and I'm only now putting this on based on what you just said, but Isaac is exhibiting powers that he did not have previous to the event, mm-hmm. that this is something that he's doing that's new. And not that John was out and out saying you can't do this because he didn't say that. He came over. He made him give him a reading. It was all very menacing. And then he only came later on and ended it, which I thought was weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he waited. I don't know why he didn't, just didn't confront him right there mm-hmm. and say, like, well, stop doing his, what you're doing. He had to get his buddies. Right. But, I mean, Isaac seems to know, too, that John's there to do something Mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. to him. He seems cautious around John. Mm-hmm. So as does the preacher. Right. So I will say I took John as being somebody who is protecting a status quo mm-hmm. and saw Isaac as a challenge to that. Um, But other people didn't seem to fully agree with him. Right, there doesn't seem to be consensus in town, other than these firefighters go out and control perceived threats. Mm-hmm. Um, and he identified Isaac as a five, which I take it to be a bad, a big one. Um, oh right, yeah, that yeah, another confusing. What do these numbers mean? What are they referencing? Well, yeah, like, and, yeah, and what I took is. This is what we're doing tonight, mm. and this is the level that we're doing it. Right. So this person needs a two, this person needs a one, this person needs a five. So we need and to actually five is burn. throw you out and burn your house down. <laughs> right. <laughs> we need to throw him out a window uh-huh. and then burn his house down. So, um, yeah. So maintaining a status quo—that's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I d- I still don't have a sense of, you know. And, and his wife said at the barbecue work. She's like, oh, your work, you have to work on your birthday or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, what meeting his neighbors is work for him? Like, well, I, I don't, don't know. think she. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Yeah. So I don't know what his 
job mm-hmm. is, but it seems to be somebody who analyzes and maintains threats to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so from what I read, the setup is John does is 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 not religious at all. He does not believe in God. Right. His his son, his his name Michael. Baptist Church. Very religious. Mm-hmm. Believes in God. Uh, the daughter Evie, we don't know yet, and the wife is somewhere in the middle. And John is. John's motivations, I guess, in a sense, you could say, are to keep status quo. But he's, from my understanding of it, he is trying to put an end to anybody who uh, believes or is claiming to have special powers or some sort of spiritual powers or some sort of any spiritual relevance to the departure or anything like that. And so that's what he was doing with Isaac, which is obviously an interesting dynamic considering his son is selling holy water. Well, why isn't he going after the church? I, I don't know. But there's also the line where he's like, where he tells his his family he's going to go to church and or his wife, he's going to go to church and she looks totally shocked or surprised. And then the moment where Matt gets up and he's beginning to say something that seems like he's claiming that there was some sort of miracle happened to his wife while they were visiting. The pastor, and the pastor makes him, takes him off the stage before he can say it. So uh, apparently people know what John is up to. I'm still a little unclear as to why that is his motivation, why he's so passionate about that, <laughs> right. especially if he doesn't believe that it's true. You know what I mean? Like, right. like if his actual mindset is that is of no spirituality whatsoever. Why does he care if other people believe in that? Right. You know what I mean? It's, it just seems uh, strange, but that's what his motivations were. Um, I think eventually the Garveys show up and, um, they have a cookout and you get an interesting scene where, um, John catches uh, Kevin. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Staring at the couch, mm-hmm. right? And I'm assuming he was staring at that couch because he's seeing Patty there. Yes, or because his father, maybe. Uh, my my thought was Patty because Patty. she's been in a lot of the previews. Yeah. Um. And that's so. That's the episode, right? I mean, what was, was there anything do? else that stuck out to you? Oh, the end, right? So part of part of the Isaac encounter is that he tells John something Some bad very bad is going to happen. And that's sort of another theme, I guess, running through it is that you can't as staunchly non-spiritual as John is. He's still bothered by he this seems rattled suggestion by that. that something very bad is going to happen. You know, he doesn't want to put his hand down the disposal. He doesn't want to eat the pie that somebody leaves for him. And then at the end of the episode, seemingly something very bad does happen where his daughter disappears. And her friends. Who cares about them? They I don't even know what their names are. <laughs> <laughs> but the daughter disappears. All the drain all the water is drained out of the wet reservoir somehow. There's another earthquake. Well, it um, looks like there's a hole in the middle of the reservoir. Okay. 
Um, I couldn't really tell. The, at the very end, one of the end shots is of a fish kind of flopping into the hole. And then there's, oh, a, okay. there's a pan back, and it right. looks like right in the middle there's a, there's a hole. Okay. So that departure is solved. Check it off your <laughs> <Right>. list. <laughs> they fell. They got sucked in a hole. So episode two will be all about spelunking. Right. <laughs> It'll be like Batman, the last Batman movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They broke their oh, backs. Oh, the Dark Knight Rises? Yes. I watched that recently. That movie is terrible. Mm-hmm. It is really bad. Like, I didn't like it when I saw it in the theaters, but it's like... It got worse. It's beyond bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Um. So did you have any other... Well, I'm trying to think really quick. So, you know, do you think that's all this episode is trying to do is establish the Garveys? That's what they are, right? That's Murphy's. Who the Murphy's. Garveys are the main. Yeah. Work, Why do uh, I do that? Yeah. The <coughs> white the white people are the Garveys. So, right. So, so the Murphys. So you have. Um, so, yeah, we, we covered all that. The, the one thing that I'll say is I thought based on the preview that i watched this was going to establish more of of the town mm-hmm. <clears throat> as a destination right remember that right line yeah. of cars and i just thought it was weird that you had that busload of tourists right. but you and you have a weird reference to the security guards right well getting, the the city uh, has been uh declared uh, has been federalized as a state park Right. So you have to apply and be accepted to live there. And then apparently once you are accepted, you have to wear a wristband for a few weeks or months maybe. So whatever security that we didn't see in this episode, but is assumedly there, knows that you live there. And the, I'm, it looks like they're going to go back in time and show you how the Garvey's got there so did you watch the preview for the next episode i did yeah so it 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 looks like they will be going back to some of the there looks like they're definitely revisiting the cabin and where patty is buried and Uh, how the garvey's which i'm glad for because if you just start fresh yeah the garvey's just moved in i'd be like yeah into a state park like give me give me something here you know, but this is what I want to say more than anything, more than anything out of this show. I want to know who that bald guy with the dogs was. <laughs> I want to know if he was real or if he was a figment of Kevin's imagination. Like, I want to know who that guy was. Here's a question for you. How much do you think season two is kind of a they would never say it, but. A course correction. Yeah, on. absolutely. So do, I do absolutely you, think that's all what right. It is. So you think maybe Lindelof was watching season one playing out and being like, "Guys, we we kind of took the wrong approach. Yeah, let's pull back." So I think there's a very good chance that you will not get your answer, and one of your answers might be the fact that Damon Lindelof realized that character's all wrong. Right. We made a big mistake. We need right. to move on. And ultimately, I do have my answer because in that in the interview that I listened to with Tom Parada, so he did. So there's a podcast called The Living Reminders, mm-hmm. and they interviewed Tom Parada twice. They interviewed him once 
after last season and they interview him just a few weeks ago. And in the second interview at the very end, they ask him about that moment when Holy Wayne gets arrested or does he kill himself? Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment in the bathroom, you, you hear the cops talking something about Russia and <laughs> they asked Tom Parada about that. And he's like, are, is there any time in this show where we're going to be going to Russia? And he just was like, you know, sometimes when Damon gets an idea, he can just kind of run away with it. Um, but we will not ever be going to Russia. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I'm pretty sure that, yes, this, this episode is a, a course correction. And that's why you spend 40 minutes of it with an entirely new set of characters, mm-hmm. an entirely new town that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. were never referenced at all in the first season. Um, I think it's it's as much of a it's a it's a reboot basically. Right, and Kevin seems more muted too. Yeah, which I liked. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess we can just move into the finale. There's really nothing more. That stands out to me. It's just it's just all questions. Yeah. What's this? What's that? Who's that? Yeah. So this is a bit of an arbitrary question, but this is how uh, this will be my last question. How how did you how were you feeling about the season ahead after the first episode of the first season compared to how you feel right now? Like after the end of the first season, do you remember after the end of the first episode mm-hmm. being like, I can't wait for more? And how does that compare to how do you how you felt after last night's episode? I remember the first episode and being intrigued, but not I wasn't kind of like, I cannot wait yeah. for the next week. This time I honestly cannot wait for week four. Like mm-hmm. I can't wait till we we're in it mm-hmm. and we're starting to be able to see the shape of it. Mm-hmm. With what they've set up, it's it's exciting. It's interesting, mm-hmm. and you can see that one thing that they tried to do is kind of what I talked about before, which is expanding the borders of their story. So they're not just going to drill in on this one place and Mm. these few characters and just make you uber depressed and overwhelmed with the oppressive nature of the show they're going to expand it out and make it about this family but also about this town and go on from there the one thing that i wanted to address and ask you is why aren't the living or the guilty remnant supposed to be around these people haven't lost anyone to make them remember what happened right well that's the idea because because they're living in this area that does not let in outsiders and nobody in the town departed there's no way for the guilty remnant to have set up shop i feel like you know if they were as national an organization as they claim to be Mm -hmm. that they would have found a way they would have gone in there Mm -hmm. Um, because those seem to be the people they need to be focused on Right. Not the poor souls of, I even forgot the name of the first town. Mapleton. Mapleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, who can't not forget right. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, what what's what what you think? Uh, after the first episode of the first season, I was slightly intrigued. I think that's as best as I can put it. Going into this season, I did not <laughs> I did not want to watch the show. I certainly did not want to record a podcast about it. I just wanted nothing to do with it because for the ups and downs that the first season had, I came away from it with nothing, with no meaning, with no different perspective on life. Like (laughs) it just, it just felt, it just left me with nothing. I didn't, I didn't feel like ever revisiting it after it was over. That's not to say it was terrible. Like mm-hmm. I said, it had its up and down, ups and downs. There were a couple episodes that were really good, but ultimately, I just it was meant nothing to me. So I was not interested at all in watching the second season, and I had completely forgot about it until you texted me like a few hours before it was on. Um, but having watched the first episode, setting aside all of that first season. I am really interested to see where it goes. And I really like the episode a lot outside of the weird stuff, which I'm able to see as like, this is probably just weird stuff. That's not going to be answered. And I will say this one thing that um, Reza says in that interview with Vulture that I think is supposed to, that I think is meant to be reassuring Um, but has the complete opposite effect on me is he says multiple times, like um, when the interview is asking, like if they're reading into something or or whatever, he says multiple times, like everything has a meaning. Like you notice that for a reason. And I'm just thinking like, please, please, no, just (laughs) give me a story. Don't give me something where every single little thing has some deeper meaning or is tied into this. Like I just, at this point, just show me that you can like write a compelling story. Right. Right. Without the goat being slaughtered in the middle of a cafe or uh, a random cut of three supposedly high schoolers running naked through the woods for no reason. Right. Which is also explained in one of these interviews as just, Teenage girls having fun. Apparently, that's what they do. Um, so that's, did, that's did how somebody I felt. actually answer the question that way? Yes, I, I'll put the link uh, for that vulture piece because I think a lot of that stuff is in there. Okay, um, but I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I don't want to read it if I'm getting answers like that because that, that <laughs> makes me depressed. Yeah. Um, so with that being said. You can find all of that information in the show notes. If the show notes do not show up in your podcast app, you will have to go to our website, eipodcast.com, and find them there because in order for me to put that stuff in the iTunes show notes, I have to do just a ton of formatting, HTML formatting stuff that I am not going to do. But it's easy for me to put them in my blog post on Squarespace on the website and in some podcast apps it shows up there like the one Mm -hmm. I use it shows up there Mm -hmm. it doesn't show up in iTunes I don't know why Um, so if you want to see that stuff go to uh, eipodcast.com or you can just um, do a Google search for Vulture The Leftovers Axis Man Mundy 
man, Monday, whatever it's called. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and it'll be there. And apparently he's doing those for every episode. So I'll be interested to read those. Um, but if you have any questions, you can email me. My email will be in the show notes as well. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Blizzard with nine Z's. I'm at Things Come Right. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>